0: If you have a Bible app, go ahead and get that fired up on your phone or on your iPad. And find with me today uh, the book of 2 Corinthians chapter 6. Of course, we welcome those uh, in the cafe service. What's up? And uh, also those who are watching live around the world. Uh, We are streaming this service, so uh, welcome those who are not in our area. Joining in in our service today, Second Corinthians chapter six. We began a new series of messages a few weeks back. Uh, this series is entitled "Go Big Before You Go Home." And how many understand that our lives on earth are very short? Yeah, even if you were to live. A, uh, 500 years, <laughs> your life is short, brief, compared to eternity. And so we have the opportunity and the option, while we're here, to live a, a small, insignificant life, or to live, live large, <laughs> to go big, to live a, an, an expansive, influential life. Something that God can use that will resonate in eternity, and uh, and that's where we're going. So let's let's go back uh, to these verses that we've been reading the last few weeks as kind of a starting point and a foundation for this uh, subject. Second Corinthians six, beginning in verse eleven, reads: "O Corinthians, we have spoken openly to you. Our heart is wide open. You are not restricted by us." But you are restricted by your own affections. Now, in return for the same, I speak as to children. You also be open. Amen. So, knowing that I have a, a command there, be open means I have the real possibility of being closed. Yeah, and say I don't say I don't even know the difference. Well, then there's a good. Good, strong possibility, the possibility that you are closed, that you are small inside, that your vision is limited, and and those inward limitations and restrictions are a hindrance to God, meaning he wants to do more. He wants to do bigger things in your life, but the smallness restricts him. Yeah, say, I can't restrict God. Oh, yes, you can. Absolutely can. You can restrict the full will and perfect will of God. Uh, This passage from the King James Bible uh, uses different language. It says, O ye Corinthians, our mouth is open to you, our heart is enlarged. And then, be ye also enlarged. Yeah, that's the direction for us. Be what? Enlarged. And then, listen once again. From the Message Bible. The Message. Dear, dear Corinthians, I can't tell you how much I long for you to enter this wide, open, spacious life. We didn't fence you in. The smallness you feel comes from within you. Your lives aren't small, but you're living them in a small way. I'm speaking as plainly as I can and with great affection. Open up your lives. Live openly and expansively. Praise God. Does that does that give you a picture of what uh, of what you want your life to be, uh, and maybe both sides of this—the restricted small life or the open, enlarged, expansive life? Uh, one of the fast food uh, chains, I think it was McDonald's, years ago, where I don't I don't visit much, but maybe they still do this. But when you order your food and you order your Meal or whatever, they would ask you, "Would you like to supersize that?" Does anybody know? Do they still say that? Some, some of you been there this morning? Yeah. Did, did they? Did they? Did they? Okay. <laughs> would you like to supersize that? Meaning, what? You want a bigger fry, a bigger drink? Would you like to supersize that? Well, I don't care what you do there. You can get as many fries as you want. Bigger drink as you want. But how many know if the Lord says, Would you like to supersize that? What should your answer be? Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. In fact, maybe it ought to be our prayer. I don't have a chapter and verse for this using that phrase, that terminology. But Lord, supersize me. <laughs> yeah, because how many know we're never going to get to a place where we are outthinking Him, where we are going beyond His ability or beyond His desire, or beyond His capacity uh, to to work in our lives. Um, No, 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 we're not going to exceed Him. He's always out beyond us. So if ever we think bigger, Lord, bigger, Lord, we're still within the framework of His will and His plan for our lives. Amen. Because His power is able to do exceeding abundantly above all we could even imagine, all we could ever ask or think. So say it out loud with me. Say, Father, supersize me. (laughs) <laughs> amen and so and so, to contrast that, then, what does a small, narrow fenced in life look like? What are some of the characteristics that would define a person that needs to be enlarged let's let 's look at some of this. Um, I want to read to you from the eighteenth psalm and the thirty fifth verse psalm eighteen and verse thirty five uh, The writer here says, You have given me the shield of your salvation. Your right hand has upheld me. Your gentleness has made me great. Think about that now. Your what? Your gentleness has made me great. You enlarged my path under me so my feet did not slip. I I don't know about you, but I might be quicker to think of something in God that would make me great would be maybe his power maybe his might his ability or even i could go to his wisdom or or something like that this wouldn't be the first thing i would i would default to but that's what the scripture says here what made him great the lord's gentleness god's Gentle gentleness. Did did you know that God is a gentle God? I mean, sometimes we again we think God is mighty, God is powerful, God is, and we think of the the great ability of what he can do, and he is all-wise, and he is all these things. But he is also, it's not a contradiction, he is also gentle. God is a gentle God. If you view him as harsh, If you view him in a a negative way like that, that belief is going to restrict his ability in you to make you great. Yeah. I need a proper understanding of the gentleness of God, because in that, he is enabled to work in me to make me great. And, And again, thank you, Lord. He's not here to make us insignificant, to make us small. He's here to make us great. So the Lord doesn't want us to be great. He's the great one. <laughs> yes, and He's not insecure. <laughs> Some people are always concerned about, oh, no, we can't. It's overly concerned about doing anything big because it's all God. It's not all God. God is who He is, and He'll be who He is independent of what we think He is or don't think He is or anything we ever do. He'll just be God, and He'll be great. So don't worry about that. Uh The fact that He wants to do great things in our life is something we must be open to or we will not accept it, will not allow it, will not permit it. We will restrict Him by our own affections. And so the Lord does want to make us great. Hallelujah. You know, there's a corresponding verse then when you talk about God being a a gentle God over in the New Testament. It's in, it's in Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 32. And it reads over here and be kind to one another, tender hearted, notice that, tender hearted, forgiving one another, even as God in Christ forgave you. Well, wait a minute, why should we be kind towards one another? Well, that's the way the Father is. He is kind toward us. Why should we be tender-hearted towards one another? Well, that's the way He is. The Father is tender-hearted. Yes, He's almighty. Yes, He's all-powerful. And yes, He has a tender heart toward us. What does tenderness do? Gentleness, tender-heartedness makes you great. Now, consider this. You'll see this. You'll see how these things uh, come together. Well, if you have a tender heart, you'll see this. If not hikes, <laughs> uh, the contrast to being one who is uh, kind, tender-hearted, and forgiving would be one who is self-absorbed, one who is selfish or self-centered. They are not mindful of those around them; they are mindful of themselves. Of their own lives. Uh, Again, self-centered, narrow hearts are selfish hearts. They only see their issues. They're only mindful and aware of what they want, what they need, what they are going through. And, And if there's anybody else that even enters the picture, it's usually about what they can do for me. Or how they have hurt me or harmed me. But that's the place others have in their life. It's all to service them. Watch. You see how this is working already? This is small. This is narrow. This is a restricted life. This prohibits the greatness of God from manifesting. It's my little world, my little narrow existence, and everything else, there is nothing else. It's just me. Amen. This is... uh, Basically, living a life of oblivious to those around you. Maybe you've experienced this at different times. Uh, of course, on the receiving end, not the giving end. Uh, but I, like I was, I was uh, driving the other day into our parking lot uh, here at, at, at the church building. And our parking lot, I mean, the Christian parking lot <laughs> with Christian stripes, Holy, Holy Ghost pavement, Right? <laughs> Pretty sure it's the solid rock that we're to build our lives on. You know, the cars around—they were all believing cars, right? Okay, so this is a good, good place. I was driving, I, I was driving, and, and someone else—no uh, no names being called here, so don't raise your hand if this was you. Someone else came whipping out of a parking spot and and almost collided with my vehicle. Uh, We—they didn't, and everything's fine. So relax. And I've already forgiven them, by the way, <laughs> and so I'm not really confessing any bitterness here today. Uh, but they, they almost, and I had to step on my brake, and then they kind of swerved out of the way and uh, see what was going on there? Well, here's what was going on. They were aware of themselves <laughs> and no one else. Maybe you've driven next to that person before. I bet you have. <laughs> Haven't you seen them out there on the road? All right, there might be more than one of these people. <laughs> All right. But what do they do? They're aware of where the, their vehicle and where they're going and no one else. If they want to slow down in the middle of a 55 speed limit, they'll just do that. All of a sudden, they're driving 30. Who are they aware of? Themselves. And whether you're, not, whether you're talking about driving or just in life, walking, doing something, if someone is only aware of them themselves that that's, defines small. In other words, they, they, they run into people and walk, in, you know, and none of us have eyes on the back of our heads, you know, we might all do this from time to time. But they just live their life, and they're, all they're concerned about is what I want to do, where I want to go, what I need. If there's food involved, there's no one else in the room, right? It's just, oh, that for me, yes. Goal, target, no one else is here, Yeah? And so that mentality is a self-absorbed mentality. Uh, they're, they're, th- these kind of people are often um, slow to forgive. They're not what you would call tender-hearted. They're, they're, they're aware of themselves and their own needs and their own wants. I mean, I, I wonder today, just, just bring this home for a moment, how many of you are aware of those around you? I mean more than knowing that they're there. How many understand there very possibly could be someone sitting within, you know, several feet of where you're sitting today, and their life is in shambles? Could be. May not be. Maybe be that everyone around you is on the top of the hill right now. But it could be. And I realize you wouldn't know that necessarily unless there was some way that you knew that by the Spirit of God or they told you or something like that. But again, th- that mindset, how many think that a healthy church, the family of God, ought to have individuals, be full of individuals who are mindful, who are aware of, conscious of people that are outside their little space, yeah. that they ought to be maybe in their prayers, and they're seeking God, and Lord, speak to me, and Lord, move move in my life. That's nothing wrong with that. But also saying, Lord, who's sitting around me today that needs You? What's going on in these people around me? Some of them I know, some of them I don't know. I wonder if there's someone else that is calling out. I ask that You'd speak to them, that You'd minister to them, that You'd move in their lives today. May they never be the same again. How many know the very existence of that second prayer that sometimes listen, it just escapes our minds. We just don't even think about that. But that is indicative of someone whose heart is being enlarged. Their life is bigger than themselves. They are giving place to, to God Himself to work through them, as opposed to shutting it down, and it's just small vision. Everybody okay? This is a this is the way that we want to live. I don't want to just have a little circle. But again, these are slow to forgive. They limit what God can do. Uh, Jesus often would have to minister to His disciples with some strong words in their development and their training. Uh, and, And one of the things that He got on their case about multiple times was something called hardness of heart. Alright? Th- think, about, think about that language. A hard heart, hardness of heart. What would you contrast that with? Well, I would definitely put that, that Scripture we just read in there. Tender-hearted would be, would be the contrast. Uh, I would also say a hard heart is the closed heart. It's the fenced-in life. Okay? Uh, Jesus often got on them. Let me give you a couple definitions of the words that Jesus used towards His disciples at certain times. Um, And and the first one is from the word hardened, but I'm giving you a a definition from the Greek. You understand our our New Testament was written in Greek, not in English. That's why we reference those words sometimes as giving us greater understanding. But the word translated hardened um, came from a word that, uh, you know, it's a, a kind of stone. It says to petrify. But this stood out to me. It says, to render stupid or callous. And then the word is translated, not only hardened, but also blind. And so when Jesus would get on his disciples and say, seriously, guys, you guys, you have a problem with, with a hard heart. What is he saying? Now now, watch. He's not just inflicting a, a, an insult on them, but he's saying, your heart is stupid, Your heart is callous, calloused. It's blind. Yeah, and that was the reason they had trouble in certain areas with what he was talking about, with some of the things he did, because inwardly they were calloused, and they were stupid, and they were blind. Uh, Another word, well, it's actually a phrase, and it's similar. It's the phrase, hardness of heart as used in the Scripture, Um, the definition there, this stands out to me as well. It says, destitution of spiritual perception. When someone has this condition called hardness of heart, they are destitute of spiritual perception. That means they might be very perceptive of things physical, of things worldly, of things natural. They might be well-educated. They might be a smart person. But when it comes to spiritual truth and spiritual reality, they lack perception. And so they hear it, and it just goes right by them. Amen. Spiritual things happen, and they don't have a clue. And it's not because, again, they're, a, they're an unintelligent person. It's not because they're a bad person. But they have blindness happening inwardly. They have this callous inside of them that renders them unable to perceive spiritual reality. Amen. And, and, and so, I was thinking, who is kind of like this in Scripture? Other than, of course, the disciples. We'll read that about that in a second. Uh, but one guy stood out to me from the Old Testament, a guy we know as Pharaoh, all right? And specifically, the Pharaoh that was the, the boss of Egypt when Israel was slaves and Moses came in as God's deliverer to, you know, and said, let my people go, that Pharaoh. It was said repeatedly about Pharaoh uh, that he hardened his heart. He was a hard-hearted leader. And so God would come in with a message through the prophet and the the message was, let my people go. And, 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 And he would harden. He would resist. And then, okay, if you don't Take things the easy way, you can get them the hard way. So in came the plagues, right? Plague after plague after plague, and he would stiffen. He would harden. He would resist God, yeah? And, and, and when I, I read about that word stupid, I thought, Pharaoh. <laughs> because if you go back there and read some of that, that was totally the case. In, in particular, one of the plagues stood out to me. It's the one about the frogs. Okay, if you don't know this, some of you know this. One day, frogs came into town <laughs> by the millions, and they were inundated with frogs come up out of the sea, frogs everywhere. You, turn, you wake up, and ribbit and frog is there, and you get in the, you go in the bathroom, and there's frogs in the shower, and you open up the toilet, and there's a frog in there, and then you're cooking, and there's a frog in the soup, and... and <laughs> I mean, that frogs, 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 frogs. It was a curse. It was, it, it, was, uh, it was judgment on Egypt, frogs everywhere. And then Moses showed up to Pharaoh one day with a new message from the Lord, but he, ha- he started with a question. He said, Pharaoh, when would you like the frogs to leave? And you know what Pharaoh said? He said, tomorrow. Uh, excuse me. <laughs> like, not like five minutes ago? Tomorrow. See, that's a result of a hardened heart. You don't even think straight. You don't even give good answers. I mean, you got frogs coming out your ears and you want to stick with them for another day. I mean, how many people are living with the frogs way too long? Why? They've been rendered, their heart has been rendered callous and blind and they lack spiritual perception and, 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 and stupid decisions come out of their life. Yeah what do I want? How can I fix my life? We need to stop making stupid decisions. We need spiritual perception. We need a heart that is tender. We need tender-heartedness. We need to be open. We need God's gentleness to affect us. Praise God. All right, go with me to Mark chapter 6. The book of Mark, chapter... Chapter Six. Now, over here in Mark six, uh, we won't read it all, but we'll read part of it. First of all, uh, Jesus just got done feeding the 5,000. Remember, they had two fish? or what? Five loaves and two fish, and they were multiplied, and, and, and the multitudes were fed. In fact, it was way more than 5,000 people, because that was just counting the guys, right? So they had thousands and thousands of people, and it was multiplied. Uh, and this was, this was what they're coming off of. Pretty cool miracle. I mean, good for a Thursday afternoon, right? Multiplication of the fish and loaves. Feed the multitudes. What a great, what a great day. Great day of ministry. And it says in verse 45, immediately, uh, he made his disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side to Bethsaida. While he sent the multitude away. And when he had sent them away, he departed to the mountain to pray. And when evening came, the boat was in the middle of the sea, and he was alone on the land. Then he saw them straining and rowing, for the wind was against them. Now about the fourth watch of the night, he came to them walking on the sea, and would have passed them by. And when they saw him walking on the sea, they supposed it was a ghost, and cried out. For they all saw him and were troubled, but immediately he talked with them and said to them, "'Be of good cheer, it is I, do not be afraid.' Then he went up into the boat uh, to them, and the wind ceased. And they were, look, look at this language. They were greatly amazed in themselves beyond measure and marveled. Now stop there for a moment. Look at the condition of their response. How did they respond to the Lord walking on the water? The wind and the, the sea goes calm. They were, can I rephrase? They were shocked. They, were ma- they marveled. They were like, oh, oh, what is going on here? I have never imagined anything like this happening. What in the world is happening here? Were they praised for this response? Did Jesus say, I like your response. Man, you guys are full of faith. No, their amazement, their astonishment was not an expression, a manifestation of something big in them. It was a result of something small in them. Look at the rest of this. Verse 52, For they had not understood about the loaves because their heart was hardened. Watch. Hard heart can't figure out the loaves trick. Of course, not a trick, you know, miracle. Hard heart, could not figure that out. And because of that, their response to water walking and wind calming was astonishment, not, praise God, look at that. Here we go again. God and His ability coming through just like we knew it would. How many understand if we also... uh, Observe and are aware of and, and are part of miracles and seeing people healed or whatever whatever walking on water and and food multiplied or healings we see those regularly and, and those type of things. What is the right response? The tender heart says, "Praise God, thank you lord i I, I knew he's going to do that. I knew the Lord was going to get involved here and manifest this way and and heal this and fix this and solve this and answer this problem and and do amazing things. What does the hard heart do? (gasps) Wow. I'm astonished. They marvel. They're blown away by it. Wow, God moved. I never imagined that. Whoever, who could have thunk it? (laughs) Right? What is that? That's not... That might might look like, hey, that's a good response. Not a good response. That's a response of a hard heart. Everybody okay? Here's the way it ought to be. If there are churches around the world today meeting and there are no answers to prayer, no healings, no miracles, no people ought to be flocking out the front door saying, Ah! I can't believe it. That was amazing. That was astonishing. What? What happened? Nothing. (laughs) But what what happens instead? People adapt to natural life, natural experience, and they think it's normal. And then whenever there's an outstanding move of the Spirit, and and whenever there are miracles, and whenever there are moves of God, people freak out. (gasps) Amazing. should be the opposite. One is the condition of a hard heart. One is the condition of a tender, open, expansive heart. Amen. Listen to this verse one more time. Verse 52, Amplified Bible. For they failed to consider or understand the teaching and meaning of the miracle of the loaves. In fact, their hearts had grown callous had become dull and had lost the power of understanding. This is the way the Lord Jesus is describing their response to what happened on the sea. Unbelief is tied to hardness of heart. When they couldn't believe it, man, I can't believe it. Jesus said, that's a hard heart. Just the opposite would be true. When someone is of great faith, That's connected to a heart that is enlarged. They shouldn't have been greatly amazed. Amen. Amen. But what needs to happen here? Well, what do you need to consider? What do you need to understand? It is our consideration of God's ways, our consideration of God's works. It is our consideration of His words Repeated in our lives that gives us the capacity to expect more. The capacity to believe for and embrace great things from Him. But if we are only considering, pondering, meditating on, rehearsing in our lives just natural things, we are going to limit the power of God. Could I encourage you today... Don't let this be the last time that you discuss what I'm discussing right here. I, mean, no, I know we're not discussing, but I am. <laughs> uh, but let, let this not be the, the end, the period, at the end of this discussion. Too many people are too quick to revert to the weather. Soon as it's over, bam, back to the weather, back to natural thing. Nothing wrong with talking about the weather, especially if it's nice. But why do we so quickly revert to discussing natural things in this world and yet we limit this discussion of spiritual truth and reality and the move of God to a defined period on certain days of the week and we wonder, why don't I see more? Hardness of heart. But if we will embrace and consider and ponder and meditate on these things continually, what happens? We open ourselves up to it. Whatever you give your mind to, whatever you give your thoughts and your discussion to, you open yourself up to. Amen. No wonder so many people are surprised when God moves. And no wonder we have a limited move of the Spirit because God is limited by the smallness of us. We're just too naturally minded. Lacks spiritual perception. Amen. Listen, Jesus did this again just a couple chapters later. He fed the 4,000. Remember, there's the five. Then there's the feeding of the four. In fact, in the 4,000, they had like uh, like seven loaves. I mean, if you can do 5,000 with five loaves, and then you have 4,000, you have seven loaves, and just a few small fish, it says, well, this ought to be an easy one, right? <laughs> We've got lots to work with. <laughs> anyway, what happened? Listen. <laughs> This had already happened before. And now it's happening again. you know what's happening to the disciples? Same thing. Same thing. It's it's Mark 8, 17 and 18. But Jesus being aware of it. See, let me me stop. Right before this, Jesus starts saying, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees, which is the doctrine, the teaching. Uh, uh, Beware of this false nonsense that they're putting out there. Okay, watch out for it. Then the disciples go, hey, man, what is he talking about? Ah, is it because we didn't bring any bread? <laughs> what? They're doing exactly what Jesus already said. They lack this spiritual perception. And so he starts talking, and they're going, uh, what does he mean now? What does he mean? I don't know what Jesus means. What do you mean? What is he talking about, this leaven of the Pharisees? Verse 17, but Jesus being aware of it said to them, Do you reason because you have no bread? Do you not yet perceive or understand? Is your heart still hardened? In other words, Jesus said, "Seriously, guys, it should have been broken up by now. The hardness, the shell, the uh, you should have been bigger in there by now." He said, "Having eyes, do you not see? I'm not talking about these. Having ears, do you not hear? And do you not remember? What was the What was the answer to? Do you not remember? They didn't." It. Now, it doesn't mean if he would have brought it up, they go, oh, yeah, 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 5,000. Yeah, I remember that. And that doesn't mean they couldn't recall it, but they weren't recalling it. That's the problem. They run into a new situation, a new teaching, a new direction from God, and what comes to their mind is not what God did before is not the track record he has of multiplication, of miracles, of signs and wonders and faithfulness and demonstration of who he is. That's not what comes to mind. What comes to mind is, stink, we forgot to get bread at the store. It's all natural. It's all naturally minded answers. That's the problem. That's the revelation of hardness, of dullness, of a calloused heart. We run into stuff, and we don't even think about God's ability and faithfulness and how He's come through for us before. We immediately go to this natural world and say, Oh, John, what do I need to do? That reveals something small. But it also shows us how we can change, how we can break it up. It is about calling to remembrance the things that God has said and done in our lives before. And if some sit here, and if you've, if you've walked with God for very long, I guarantee you there's, there are some things. They might not be coming to mind, though. It might take some real effort to recall and bring them back and then rehearse them until that becomes reality in your life how many times have I seen individuals over, you know, over many years, but who have seen God work firsthand? They were there when the legs grew out. They were there when the person got healed. They were there when this answer to prayer came, and it was obvious and totally without question, God in His great love and mercy And in their response at the time they opened up and they they said, I will never question again. I'll never doubt again. I know the the realness of who God is and His, His faithfulness. I'll never question that until next year when they question everything. And all of a sudden it's not real to them anymore. And all of a sudden it's like, well, I don't know. How does that happen? This is how it happens. It happened to others before you. It'll happen to others after. How is it that, that something could be taught right here, right now? And some are being lit up inside. Glory to God. Hallelujah. And it's lighting up your world, and you're seeing things and you're seeing possibilities. Your faith is going through the roof right now. And others are going, huh? Hmm. How is that possible that all that happens in the same room? It's because the condition of a person's heart determines what God is able to get into their life. And if we will give attention, not just to the externals, not just to the physical world, but to the inward part of us, then we open up ourselves to the full potential of what God can do. And when he moves and he works and he works in us and through us and in response to our prayers and our faith, it's not shock. It is thankfulness. It's, yes, I'm impressed. Yes, glory to God. Thank you, Jesus. But that's what I was expecting you to do, Lord. I knew it would be that way. I knew you'd come through. Huh? The person who says, well, you never know what God's going to do is a person with a hard heart. But the person who knows him, the person who is wide on the inside, is the one who says, come on, here we go. You ready? We're going to do this and God's going to show up in your life right here, right now. God's going to move in your life. Amen. Amen. This is the normal. This is the way it is supposed to be. Am I saying that someone with a hard heart is not a good person? No. Am I saying that someone with a hard heart is not going to heaven? No. Again, these are the people that are closest to Jesus. I know we, there's the Pharaoh, so th- those people exist, yeah. But then there's are closest to Jesus, and they're still scratching their heads, lacking this spiritual perception. So it could be true amongst any of us, even though we're saved, even though we, we do love God, there could still be an existence of something that is keeping the fullness of God's manifested power outside of our lives. Amen. But that's why we pray, Lord, open my heart. We pray, Lord, uh, may I be able to comprehend what is the length and depth and width and height and to know the love of Christ that passes knowledge. And we're praying and He's working. And He works and we ponder, we consider, we meditate, we thank Him for it. We let it be in our discussions. We let it consume our lives. What? The manifestation of God and His Word and His faithfulness and His mighty power. And it becomes our expectation of normal living. Instead of, I don't know what we're going to do. Junk. Who forgot the stinking bread again? Well, if I could just see a miracle. If I could just see a miracle firsthand, I would believe. Blah. That is so not true. The miracle might get your attention. But then what you do with it from that point totally determines your future. Amen. Amen. We have many of these opportunities according to God's uh, mercy and kindness and grace. Uh, man, He's so, so gracious to us. He'll bring things back to us again and again. Where we've hardened, where we've shut them out, where we've resisted, we've done the, gone the wrong path, He'll give us another opportunity. And each time it's chipping away at something small inside of us, chipping away. And if we'll respond, then our future is going the right, right direction. If we close up again... Man, stinking two chapters from now, you could be asking the same questions. <laughs> Thinking, what? What? Something wrong? I don't get it. <laughs> it's two chapters ago. You don't remember? Seriously, you don't remember. It was just like two chapters ago in your life. And you forgot already. Yeah, we do that, don't we? But let's not. Let's stop. Let's call to mind the works of God. The Word of the Lord. His faithfulness. And then see an ever-increasing amount of Him working in us. Amen, amen.